This episode of the Get in the Game podcast is presented by Sports Spectrum and the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. We invite you to check out our website, sportspectrum.com, for more content on the intersection of sports and faith. Articles, devotionals, podcast episodes, all of it can be found right there at one place, sportspectrum.com. And while there, you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, as well as subscribe to our magazine. You can lock in a one-year subscription for just $18 or two years for just $30. We've got a great conversation ahead for you. So thanks for tuning in this week to the Get in the Game podcast with Scott Leinbrink. Your host, Scott Lyman, former MLB star and current water mission advocate. Oh yeah, and he also happens to be our dad, so let's dive right in. Hey everybody, I'm your host, Scott Linebrink of the podcast, Get in the Game, where we talk about serving others and what faith in action looks like. And I'm uh, pleased to announce my guest for this week is Lance Berkman. Lance, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, we're, uh, I'm going to, by way of introduction, I'm going to introduce you all to Lance. So Lance is um, a Major League Baseball veteran of several different teams, most notably the Astros, six-time All-Star. He also won a World Series with St. Louis. And so he's very accomplished on the baseball field. Uh, he and I actually towed it up against each other throughout college and throughout the big leagues. And we had a chance to play on the same team one time too. And Lance is one of those guys that just really encouraged me in my faith walk. I remember early on being at a Bible study and, and Lance talking about, um, he, he brought this lineup. He said, if you were, if you're accused of being a Christian in a court of law, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And that has stuck with me. Uh, that really made me sit up straight in my seat and make me think, wow, am I really walking the walk? And so when I think about, you know, where my faith journey has taken me and now uh, hosting podcasts like this, um, I think about the guys that have really influenced my faith walk. And Lance, you're certainly one of them. Well, I appreciate it. And I think, you know, iron sharpens iron. So I can say the same about you. You've encouraged me in many ways and challenged uh, my faith. And, and I think, you know, that's one thing I love about our relationship is it's, uh, you know, we, we build faith in one another. And, you know, I think that's how it should work. That's right. Well, and I know, you know, hearing from other guys, too, you've had a, a big impact in their lives as well. And that's something that you take seriously. And uh, you discern ways not only to grow your your own faith walk, but, you know, what that looks like in the way of discipleship and pouring back into others. And, that's a big part of serving others. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, a hundred percent. You know, there's, I think the way that, that you live as a Christian is vitally important because uh, you're going to watch how you're, they're going to watch your conduct. They're, they're, they're not going to necessarily listen to your words. And so, you know, especially in a, in an environment like a, a major league clubhouse, it's an example where it's a secular environment. You know, people don't necessarily respond well to 
um, the turn or burn message or, you know, getting people out and standing in the chair in the locker room and say, hey, guys, listen to this. What they do do is, is how you live and how you treat them. And so I think, you know, demonstrating your faith through your actions and through the way that you, you're willing to serve your team, you're willing to serve your coworkers, or willing to serve your children or your spouse, you know, that's that's really the heart of being an ambassador for Christ. And, you know, I always think about that verse, you know, Paul talks about we're Christ ambassadors, we're Christ representatives on earth. And you know, people are going to be watching the way we conduct ourselves. And so if you're someone who's, um, you know, first person or, you know, doesn't treat others the right way, you're, you know, what you have to say, your message is compromised. And people are going to, you know, look and be like, oh, I got a hypocrite or I'm not really interested in what has to say. On the other hand, if you say anything, you're constantly and loving on others and willing to pour into the lives of others, they'll ask you, like, what's going on? Like, they want to hear what you have to say. And then they, you know, when you do say something, they will, uh, it, it will have a, a great degree of credibility. But to me, it's, it's, you know, it's all about how we live and how we treat other people, and, you know, extending grace to others as we've been, uh, as we've received grace from God. And all those things go into this ambassador that we've been charged with. Uh, so, you know, I think that's that's very important. It's uh, to me the rubber meets the road when it comes to living your faith. Yeah, everybody's familiar with that term. Actions speak louder than words, and um, I, I love that quote. I don't know where. Um, some famous theologian once said, you know, preach the gospel wherever you go and if necessary, use words. And to your point, it's all about how we live our lives and we're under constant scrutiny. People are always watching us and, and, and watching the way we live our lives. And, um, and for a lot of people, you know, I've heard this said too, that, that we may be the only Jesus that people ever meet that, um, you know, they, they walk in circles where maybe, Faith is not central to the people that they're around. And so when they look at us and we are self-proclaimed Christians, then we're the only example that they have. Um, and, and I could think of, you know, no better environment than a major league clubhouse. You mentioned that. Maybe talk a little bit about the unique dynamic that is the major league clubhouse and the opportunities that you had while you walked in those circles and the, the opportunities that, that you used to serve others by sharing your faith yeah you know in some ways it's a it's an interesting challenging environment interesting environment uh, most of us spend our lives uh, surrounded by people that think like we do that talk like we do that act like we do that look like we do. so the mutually club one of those environments where you're kind of forced to deal with that you might not ordinarily deal with because baseball players come in all shapes and sizes and they all come in different um, you know, faith backgrounds, faith traditions, everybody differently in uh, parts of the country. So that can, you know, that, that can be a challenge. I, I'll, I'll, one of the stories I think it's kind of funny and it just illustrates how different everybody is. Um, we were doing a Bible study. You referenced the Bible study that we used to have with the Astros in spring training, but we were doing a Bible study and I, I remember saying something about Noah's Ark and we had, you know, we had people from all over and I didn't know where everybody was. I mean, I didn't know if, if people were regular Bible study attenders and, and had been walking with the Lord for years or if they were brand new to it. And 
I remember just, and I can't remember what we were teaching on, but I referenced Noah's Ark and I could tell this one guy was sitting across from me and the look on his face, it was like, you know, what are you talking about? And I, and I stopped and I was like, Hey, you know, Noah's Ark, right? I mean, animals two by two. He's like, never heard of it. And I was like, what? You've never heard of Noah's Ark? I mean, everybody, even if you're not a Christian had the little deal in their nursery when they were a kid of the two little animals coming together and all that. And he, he just hadn't, he'd never heard of it. And so, you know, you're dealing with a variety of, of backgrounds and it's kind of cool, you know, like you get an opportunity to be around people that you might not ordinarily, you know, get to hang around with. So knowing that you, you, you really have to have a, um, the, the word that it's kind of an old school word, but I think it perfectly describes how we were, are supposed to be as Christians. And that's the word winsome. You need a winsome personality and that word just means, you know, somebody that's warm and attractive and that others want to be around and that others feel good when they are around. And if you can be that kind of person, eventually, you know, I, what I've found is in those kind of environments, you earn the right essentially to get to share your faith. And so, you know, the the best approach that I found, at least in that environment, is you're, you know, you're around the guy as they see the consistency in your life. They see the way that you treat your teammates. They see that you're willing to serve, that you're willing to love. And then after a period of time, you know, you might get a question like, hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Or what do you think about that? Um, and, and so those are the type of opportunities that, that I look for, you know, I've heard it called divine appointments or whatever. But when, when it comes to sharing your faith, um, especially in those type of environments where and, and I know the original question was to kind of describe the big league clubhouse. I mean, it's, you know, besides being um composed a variety of different types of people you know, you've got a bunch of people that are high achievers that are used to performing well um you got a bunch of people that you know there's a lot of money in the major league so most of the physical need um and really even desires are taken care of guys kind of have whatever they want uh the world so to speak is is at their fingers and and so it can be a difficult environment uh, because people don't realize their need because you get a lot of, well, you know, if I've got this and this and this, what else do I need kind of kind of thing. But uh, what I found is there's always that God-shaped hole in, in people's hearts and, and uh, the material things only go so far and they're looking for that spiritual connection. And that's where I felt, you know, a, a, a real strong pull to be, to be a conduit, I guess, between my teammates and you know, that spiritual connection with Jesus that they're looking for. Yeah, that's great. Uh, well, yeah. I'm long-winded, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, pre I appreciate you making it back to the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a long way around, but we'll get back to it eventually. Well, and, and I know you and I have had several great discussions, not just while we were teammates, but now when we're, you know, sitting out in a boat fishing or in a deer stand hunting. These are always, you know, great opportunities for – um, for me to, to really, you know, dive into to your head and heart. And I know how you love to teach. And you're a, a wonderful example of a guy that, that really dives into God's word that doesn't just always take it at face value, but really struggles with it, wrestles with it. And, um, and you and I have had several great conversations about, you know, what does this really mean? Or, man, I'm struggling with, with this particular word and, and trying to reconcile it against, you know, how it applies to my own life. So um, I, I know I've benefited from, from your teaching and from your extensive study. So I, what I'd like to do now is give you the opportunity to talk about 
how does Jesus present serving others? And I think there's some really great descriptions of it in the Bible and his parables where he teaches, hey, in order to serve, this is what you have to do. So can you maybe just walk us through um, a parable or two and, um, and unpack that for us? Well, I think, I think you just look at the life of Christ. I mean, look at, look at Jesus, you know, from the time that he started his uh, earthly ministry, that, that's what he was all about, his service. And whether it be healing the sick or providing food for, um, you know, for people that were hungry or for providing wine for a wedding where people are celebrating or, you know, his, his whole his whole life was about other people and about service. And, you know, that's I think the, the, the most convicting thing for me as a Christian is to sit here and think, OK, the the the, the man that I'm calling my Lord and Savior, the king of the universe, is willing to perform these seemingly menial tasks for human beings that don't know who he is, that eventually will, you know, be part of a group that crucifies him. You know, it's 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 mind blowing to think that here is a guy that um, you know that was at the right hand of the Father before time began and has emptied himself to come to earth on our behalf, spends his whole life serving and then dies a brutal and horrible death. And so if that's, if that's my leader, how, how am I not willing to do the same? And if I'm not willing to do the same, I think, I think there's a real problem. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think you just, you know, first and foremost, you look at the life of Christ and see what he he was about helping and serving people. And you, and you see that not only did he serve help, people were attracted to him and felt comfortable in his presence, even though that society seemed um, bad, you know, sort of the dregs of society. That's who was attracted and, and uh, you know, who wanted to spend time with him. So uh, I think that if Christ is our example, then then our lives need to look the same. And of course, you know, the, the, the story that most perfectly illustrates the attitude of Christ towards not only his followers, but towards all mankind. You know, when Jesus washes his disciples' feet, and obviously back in those days, running around in sandals and there's pavement and it's all dirt. You can imagine the, the nasty, grimy um, condition of, of feet, and feet are not really, you know, attractive. Uh, and here you are willing to strip down, you know, assume the ultimate posture of humility and servanthood and wash your disciples' feet as an example for, for us to the extent that we, that, that we're called to go uh, to serve, to serve others. And so, uh, you know, servant leadership is that that's at the very heart of servant leadership. You know, I've, I'm a coach and, you know, I'm sure we, we can talk a little about that, but um, when I think about leading my team, one of my mantras is I'm not going to ask one of my team members to do anything that I wouldn't be able to do myself. There'd be cleaning toilet in, you know, the, the bathroom field or picking up in the dugout or taking an elk screen off the field. I mean, I'm not going to, don't get me wrong. I mean, these, the guys that play for me, I mean, they all have jobs to do, but 
I'm right there with them doing it. And I'm willing to do it. And I'm willing to demonstrate that I'm willing to. And so to me, that's how, as Christians, we're, we're called to live. Like our leader is willing to wash our feet. So we be willing to do the same for others. Yeah, I, I once, uh, or just recently, I was talking to a leader of an organization. And, uh, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's in the financial market. Um, his company actually has several hundreds of millions of dollars under their control. And uh, he, as CEO of that group, basically, he developed a T-shirt that everybody wears, and it says, everybody makes coffee. And so this idea that it's not the secretary's job to come in and make coffee, but he himself should be willing to go in there, clean out the coffee pot and make the coffee. And that's a culture mindset. And it, it starts with the leader. Well, 100% great leaders from the front. And that's leadership is not about sitting, you know, sitting back and, and barking orders and directing or feeling like, you know, the other thing you see a lot of times, you, you, you see people in position of leadership with the attitude of, well, I paid dues. And so now it's time, you know, my underling pay theirs. Uh, I just think that's that, that's a poor leadership model, and it's one you don't see from. This. I mean, if you the way that he led and instructed his disciples, it was all from the front. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it, I think that's just um, you know, I, I take leadership cues from from, and, and obviously being willing to serve, uh, being willing to die. I mean, is is the ultimate to me in, in, in leadership. Yeah. So Lance, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you, you mentioned that you're a, a coach and the opportunities that you have to really lead from the front, like you're talking about and serve others. Let's talk about what that looks like in your family. Uh, you and I have the wonderful opportunity to live with all women. We both got all girls <laughs> and beautiful wives. Yeah. And, uh, and oftentimes, you know, we, we may feel like, you know, Hey, God's called me to, to be the spiritual leader of the house. And yet I feel like I'm last on the list. Um, talk about that interesting dynamic and how you navigate that. Well, I think the, the first that comes to my mind when I think about my wife is, you know, Paul says in Ephesians that, that husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, for the church. And so we, you know, our call as husbands is to have that same level of self-sacrifice. And so, you know, there's, I mean, heck, in in a marriage, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be disagreements. There's going to be times where you don't see eye to eye. And sometimes I feel like, and I'm sure it's all about perspective. And I'm sure my wife May, she may feel the same way, but I'm, I'm sure this is not a, an unusual feeling. But I, I feel like, man, if, if, if reconciliation is going to happen, I'm the one that's got to initiate it. Like we have the we, you know, we have a little bit of a disagreement and who's going to apologize? Like who's going to try to make it right? And to me, it's like I don't want to do that a lot of times because my ego or whatever, like I like to win. But I think that's where you know, this, the verse really comes into play. Like I've got to subjugate my wants and feelings and desires for those of my wife. And and I've got to be willing to, even if I don't think my wife is right, I've got to be willing to be the one to initiate, to make peace, to apologize, 
And, you know, sometimes that's hard to do, but I think that's, I think that's the call on husbands is to be that initiator. That's what it means to, uh, to be a, a leader is to, you know, is to initiate those type of things and to initiate, Hey, we're going to church and, uh, or we're, you know, we're going to do this family devotional or we're going to, you know, set the standard, so to speak, for how the family is going to operate. And again, it's not from a position of you do what I tell you to, because I'm the husband and, you know, or I'm the father and, and, and all of that, that's, that's kind of, um, you know, operating out of, out of a, uh, an, an ego driven, you do what I tell you instead of the servant leadership where, Hey, let me, let me set the standard by showing you what the standard is. Let me show you how you should treat other people, girls, by the way that I, you see me treat your mother and, and those type of things. So, uh, being a leader in your family, again, it's all about being willing to subjugate yourself for the benefit of your wife and kids. And, you know, it takes on a lot of different forms. Uh, but at the, but at the end of the day, that that's what it is. Yeah. And boy, that is so tough sometimes to put that pride aside and our pride wants to demand that we're right or that we're the best or that we're the leader on top. Um, but I found often in, in my life when I do follow that, that sinful leading of my pride, that it's a whole lot less rewarding at the end of the day. I, I really come back and I feel regret and shame because I know that I abused my p- position or my power and I try to put myself on top when really I should have been at the bottom. And, um, but when we do it the other way, like you're saying, when we do it right, um, I think everybody in our family recognizes that. And ultimately, you know, once the emotions wear off and once we're able to, to come back together and, and show each other that we truly love each other, that they, they recognize that and, and they acknowledge it and see it. And it's a, a, a much better outcome than, than when we try to, to be that, that uh authoritarian dictator yeah my wife whenever we get uh, crawling to me on hands and knees says get out front of that bed and fight like a man so oh man well um that's the way we operate that's right I've, i've uh had a few instances like that myself lance let me um let me close let me ask this last question um about what it means to serve in the mission field, because I know that you've had opportunities to go in the mission field. We've actually been together down in Haiti. And I know it's something that, that maybe you don't necessarily like to do. And for a lot of people, they probably feel the same way that it's, it's not a comfortable experience or there's some fear or apprehension about going to an unknown place like Haiti. And of course, right now, Haiti is probably a place you don't want to go. Um, but Tell us a little bit about, you know, how you overcame some of those fears and apprehensions and then ultimately got into the mission field and, and what your experience was like when you got there. Well, one way to overcome is my Brooklyn. So I was like, well, um, but we, uh, I think, you know, when you, when I think about the mission field, besides the, the travel and the kind of the, the sacrifice that you make to, uh, to get to some of these places that are reasonably remote. And then of course the, we're used to certain comforts and conveniences in America that just don't exist in other countries. And when you're having to do without that for a while, you know, it can make you uncomfortable. But beyond that, um, 
I, I think the, the thing that I think about when you're on those trips is you're serving people. It gives you an opportunity to serve people that can't do anything for you, that can't reciprocate. And to me, that's like the ultimate level of service because at the, you know, on some level, when you are serving your wife, there is a reciprocation. Like, you know, if I, if I'm really a good husband that I, and I take out the trash without my wife having to ask me and I perform these acts of service, well, she's going to reciprocate uh, and I get something out of that. So on some level, there's a, there's a reward for me, even if my heart's in the right place and, and being willing to serve her or, you know, even with the guys on the team, like I'm, I'm demonstrating um, service to them in the hopes that they will get the message and we'll have a better team and, and we'll all benefit from that. But when you go out on the mission field, you know, you're not the, the people that you're serving really have no ability to do anything for you. And so um, it's a great experience because it, it, you're just, hey, look, I'm, I'm doing this because Jesus is my master and he's commanded me to go and, and be his hands and feet in the world. And I'm doing this out of uh, service for Jesus, out of love for mankind. Um, and, and that's it. And, and I think there's something really pure about that. And, and one of the only places you can experience it is, is out on the mission field. So, you know, I, I don't have extensive experience in those type of situations. You referenced a couple of trips that, that we've taken. Um, but I can tell you that it's, it's a very rewarding experience and, and well worth it if you've never been. You reminded me of that verse. I believe it's in James uh, talking about the banquet feast. And how James talks about, you know, don't invite, don't put the person in the prominent position that has all the power that can do something for you, but, but bring the one from the back, the, the, the lowly, you know, then put them in the, the prominent position. And that says a lot about how we, we view others is where we seat them at our table. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's the, obviously the tendency is to, you know, you scratch, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine kind of deal, but uh, service in its purest form is rendered to people that have no ability to to do anything for us. And I mean, I think, you know, another picture of that is those that have kids can relate. I mean, you, you know, especially the moms where I think about my wife and all she does for, you know, all she does for our girls. And, and sometimes she gets the, oh, mom, what do you, you know, you don't do anything. And, and they don't realize all the behind the scenes stuff. Um, all of the scheduling, all of the making sure they get where they need to go, they just take it for granted and you feed and clothe them. And many times they're in, they're, they're not grateful and they don't express their appreciation. And, you know, I, I think that that's a, a great picture of what, what God has done for us. I mean, many times we, he, he's doing things on our behalf that we don't even know about. And, mm. and yet, you know, rarely do we take the time to express the gratitude as we ought um, we're, we, we always look at, you know, kind of the glass of being half empty. What don't we have? What's going wrong? What would I like to change rather than, you know, cultivating a, a grateful heart? And I'm as guilty of it as anybody, but I, I, I see it in, in the way my girls interact with my wife sometimes, because I know how much she pours into their lives and rarely do they take the time to stop and say, you know, thanks mom. I really appreciate all that you do. Um, in that real pure form of service, it, it's quite often it's the other way around. Like, what are you not doing or what, what do I want that I don't have and how can you provide it? So I think we have to, you know, we have to guard against that in our relationship with God. Um, but, but I do think that 
you know, as you start to look around at opportunities to serve and, you know, the purest form of that is to, is to do things for others with no expectation uh, that, that you'll be, that anything will be reciprocated and, and even taking that a step further, maybe doing that for people that, you know, are not appreciating it or that won't appreciate it. So um, God calls us to serve um, and that, that looks like a, you know, that can look like a variety of different things, but he calls us to serve not only the people that we like, but the people that, you know, that we don't necessarily care for. So that's maybe the hardest thing to do in the Christian walk is to, is to love and care for people that, um, you know, that you don't necessarily like. That's right. Lance, thank you for your time. I appreciate the ways that you've given us really some practical wisdom and some ways to think about how we live as we go out there amongst our, our circles, our networks, and uh, the call that we have to um, put ourselves last and put others first. And so uh, appreciate your time, appreciate your wisdom that you shared with us. I hope it's been an encouragement to everyone. Scott, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you for listening to the Get in the Game podcast with Scott Weinbrink, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. You can connect with Scott and follow him on Twitter at Scott Weinbrink. We want to invite you to subscribe to the other shows on our network. We'd also love for you to check out our Sports Spectrum magazine full of great stories and content covering the intersection of sports and faith. You can subscribe at sportsspectrum.com. It's $18 for an entire year subscription. Again, the website to subscribe is sportsspectrum.com. Thanks so much for listening.